Hello, welcome to The Prophetic Angle. This is Pastor Rick, and I want to start a series on baptism. That is baptism in water. I said I was going to do this uh, some weeks ago, and I, in fact, have done this on Wednesday nights probably up to three years ago, after which I baptized 12 people. I would like to encourage you to consider your baptism. Have you been baptized in water have you been baptized in water correctly? Now, I'm not here to argue about your salvation. Salvation is by the blood of Jesus Christ. But that being said, I don't want to minimize the importance of baptism and water. And I want you maybe to see it from a different viewpoint than what you have viewed it in the past. And of course, that could vary from person to person, because I don't know what your particular paradigm is. It depends on where you were raised, who taught you, your perception, and whether or not the Holy Spirit inspired you to understand the necessity and the imperative and the blessing of water baptism. So in order to do that, I want to give a comprehensive teaching on it, and this could take some time. I may do it on more than one platform. This, of course, is my podcast, The Prophetic Angle. This is not about a particular event of the day, which is normally what I do on this podcast platform. If you're looking for me to address the election or any of those type events that are occurring right now, then you need to go to a different episode and I will try to uh, compile these into a playlist or something that you can identify so you can either indulge or avoid based on what your particular interest is. If nothing else, I'd like to whet your taste today by starting with the baptism of Jesus. So this is part one. The baptism of Jesus. Now, the other parts will be John's baptism the the mikvah new testament baptism and your baptism and then after i got through doing that i did a crash course on baptism so i had five or six wednesday nights on this topic about three years ago and sadly at the time i was if, if i remember correctly i was not doing anything um, where I would record it and put it up on the internet for people to uh, benefit from. So today we'll start with uh, Matthew three thirteen through seventeen. Matthew three thirteen through seventeen. Okay, here we go. Matthew three thirteen through seventeen reads: Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan, to John, to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. 
And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. So what happened in the scripture before, during, and after the baptism of Jesus? Let's look at it. When Jesus became 30 years old, he showed up on purpose at Bethany across the Jordan. And that is down toward the Dead Sea. So if you go to Israel and you go to, to be baptized on a tour, you more than likely will go to the area near the Sea of Galilee, which is not where Jesus was baptized. He was baptized further south. And that's not to belittle being baptized in the river uh, just south of the Sea of Galilee. I'm not going to belabor this point. I just want to point out there is a distinction. Jesus was baptized near the Bethany that is on the other side or the eastern side of the Jordan River. And he went there to be baptized by John the Baptist. He's called the Baptist because he was known for baptizing people and introducing the kingdom of God. You know, introducing the change in the covenant from the old covenant to the new covenant. Introducing a new way. Uh, actually, it was the way that was portrayed and prophesied by types and antitypes and by prophecy from what we call the Old Testament. Now, John had been baptizing already, and we'll talk about that some more next week or next time that I... Uh, make an episode. Jesus was one among thousands. So I want you to get the picture. He's, he's not the only one being baptized by any stretch, but he stands out. And immediately there was a problem with this baptism. And we're going to look at the problem in just a moment, but there was a problem, or you could say a challenge for John when Jesus came to be baptized. Now, John and Jesus were cousins. And John had recognized Jesus when he was in the womb. Of course, he couldn't see him. They're both babies, and they're in the respective wombs of Elizabeth and Mary. But when Mary, who was pregnant with Jesus, came in the room, Elizabeth, who was pregnant with John, who would be John the Baptist, had a sensation and the bible says that the baby leaped in her womb so john then who was to be john the baptist was filled with the holy spirit before he was born the bible says that's what happened he this is unusual because most of us were not baptized with the holy spirit before we we're born but john was filled with the holy spirit before he was born so maybe it'd be more correct to say he was filled with the Holy Spirit before he was born. And so there's a lot there to be discussed. So John, upon being requested to baptize Jesus, did not want to do it. Now, maybe he had known Jesus at some point after they were born and after they were old enough to recognize each other. And maybe he, he wouldn't have seen a picture of him, obviously, but maybe there was at least once or twice or, or some occasion where he recognized Jesus. But suffice it to say, even if that were not the case, 
Somehow John knew this was Jesus. And, and more than likely, he, uh, he recognized him. And maybe it was just in this sense. Uh, because God had already told John that there would be a sign given that this was the Messiah. Now, the sign, though, was not given, listen, till after Jesus was baptized. As far as I can tell, there was no particular sign before the baptism. So, except for the fact that John somehow knew this was his cousin, Jesus, and that somehow he had this intuitive reason to say to Jesus, why should I baptize you? Uh, this, is, this is something that really makes me stop and wonder. How did he have an inkling that this man was the one that the sign was going to be given, but was not yet given till after the baptism? So that, that, that's kind of an open-ended question, and maybe you have an answer. But he said, you know, I, I, I should be baptized by you. Now, my, my sense, again, and I, and I know I'm rambling a little bit here, but I want you to understand that John had a special recognition of who Jesus was. And since he had been filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb, when Jesus was in the womb, uh, Mary, and there was that recognition then, then why couldn't there be a witness in his heart that this is the same one that I recognized when I was an infant, since it was the Holy Spirit that caused him to have that awareness. That's, that's where I stop, and that's where I think I'll land on how John knew who Jesus was before he baptized him. Even though I'm not eliminating the possibility he had seen him at some point after they were born, before they grew up, that's possibility. Okay, I'm talking too much about that. Let's move on. And how many times did someone try to stop Jesus from doing anything after his baptism? Well, many times. And John's opinion of Jesus was, I'm not, I'm not worthy to untie his shoes. So he felt like Jesus was more holy, more spiritual. Um, after all, he was the Messiah. He felt like that he should be baptized by Jesus because he was superior to John. And I want to point out that Jesus was not a sinner. He was not a sinner. So I want to read a couple of passages of Scripture here. Hopefully that will illustrate that to you. Jesus was not a sinner. And it says right here, in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, for our sake he made him to be sin. Now, if you go to the original and you translate that properly, it should be a sin offering. For, he, for our sake he made him to be a sin offering. If you want me to translate that where it makes more sense. Who knew no sin. In other words, he never had sinned. So he couldn't be, you can't make somebody be sin. Sin is not a person. 
it can be personified as a figure of speech, but it's not a person. So sin is an act, sin is a status, sin is a position of iniquity. So he, and it's also something that puts a person in the category of guilt. So you might say, for our sake, he made him to be a sin offering, or he imputed the guilt to Jesus. And of course, this is commentary now. Who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now, Hebrews 7.26, Hebrews 7.26 says this, For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. So in other words, our high priest is separate from sinners. A sinner could not be our high priest. Uh, I know the Old Testament high priests were sinners, and uh, they had to have sacrifices for themselves, but Jesus did not have to have a sacrifice for himself. So let's move on. Jesus was not a sinner, so he didn't get baptized because he was a sinner and needed to be saved, like we do. Jesus did not need to repent because he didn't sin. John realized that John was a sinner, that he was a sinner, and needed repentance, and thus he should be baptized by Jesus. But as far as we know, Jesus didn't baptize anyone in water, but he did baptize people and does with the Holy Spirit. And when you read in the New Testament that people followed Jesus and they were baptized by him or because of him, it was because of his disciples that baptized. That was after they would leave John the Baptist and they go to Jesus and follow him. That's another discussion. Maybe we'll get into that in a different episode. Jesus assured him, or John, that what he was doing was the right thing to do. Well, why then was it the right thing to do? Well, let's keep talking. Jesus was validating, number one, John's ministry, which is kind of a side benefit. In other words, when Jesus the Messiah comes to be baptized by John, he's saying that John's ministry of baptism for everybody else is a legitimate baptism, which is, like I said, a side benefit. Jesus was also entering the priesthood. That's Exodus 29, 1 through 7. So I'm going to go there really quickly. Exodus 29, 1 through 7. And I hope you'll stay with me. This is a Bible study. And I know sometimes when I'm going to scriptures, whatever, I might slow down a little bit. But I want you to, you know, benefit from this Bible study. It says in chapter 29 of the book of Exodus, verse 1. Now this is what you shall do to them to consecrate them, that they may serve me as priests. Now this is, again, Old Testament. Take one bull of the herd, two rams without blemish, unleavened bread, unleavened cakes mixed with oil, unleavened wafers smeared with oil. You shall make them a fine wheat flour. You shall put them in one basket, bring them in the basket, bring the bull and the two rams. You shall bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance of the tent of the meeting and wash them with water. They're, they're being consecrated, so they get washed with the water. Then you shall take the garments and put on Aaron the coat and the robe of the ephod and the ephod and the breastpiece and gird him with skillfully woven 
band of the ephod, and you shall set the turban on his head and put the crown, uh, the holy crown on the turban. You shall take the anointing oil and pour it on his head and anoint him. Now look at that picture. He gets washed and he gets anointed. Now let's go back to Jesus' baptism. Jesus was entering the priesthood. He had to be washed. He had to be anointed. So he gets baptized, and then the anointing comes with the Holy Spirit comes on him from God, see? Now, he had to offer a sacrifice, and we've already read 2 Corinthians 5.21. He was the sacrifice that was offered. So the sacrifice was offered that was him, which was going to happen actually three and a half years later as far as his physical death. He had to be washed and he had to be anointed. So because he was entering the priesthood, he was going to become an intercessor, an intermediary. There's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Okay, so that's three. Uh, that's number three in our little outline here. Number four, he was announcing publicly who he was. So Jesus was validating John's ministry. He was entering the priesthood. He was not a sinner, so he didn't need to be baptized for that reason. But he was also announcing publicly who he was. Actually, God was making the announcement. You know, the announcements in church service, God was making an announcement. And then John. So John was involved in the announcement. It is important to know that prior to this, some thought John the Baptist was the Messiah. You know, and uh, they came to him and they asked him, are you, are you he or should we look for another? Or are you the one that is to come? And he said, I'm not the Messiah. I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare you the way of the Lord. And then, <laughs> the funny thing is later on, some thought Jesus was John the Baptist. That's what Herod thought, that uh, Jesus was John the Baptist come back from the dead because he had put John the Baptist to death. So some thought John the Baptist was the Messiah, and then later some thought Jesus was John the Baptist. It's kind of humorous. Notice, I am not worthy to untie his sandals. Here's some scriptures for you to read in this would get rather lengthy if I was doing an hour Bible study or so. I, I could go into these. Mark 1, 7, Luke 3, 16. This is where you'll see that said, I guess. John 1, 27. And then there's Acts 13, 25. Well, let's read that one. Let's read Acts 13, 25. And uh, when you get a chance, I'd like for you to go read all these scriptures about being worthy to untie his sandals or being unworthy to untie his sandals. So Acts 13, uh, 25 says, What do you suppose that I am? I am not he, no, but behold, after me one is coming, the sandals of whose feet I am not worthy to untie. So that's another rendition of what John the Baptist said. And that's reiterated in the book of Acts when Paul and Barnabas are presenting the gospel about Jesus 
then they go back and refer to what John said in the scriptures I mentioned just a moment ago for you to read. Now, Deuteronomy 25, 5 through 10 is an interesting uh, passage of scripture. Deuteronomy 25, 5 through 10 says this. Listen to this. If brothers dwell together and one of them dies and has no son, the wife of the dead man shall be married outside the family to a stranger, shall not be married outside the family to a stranger. Her husband's brother shall go into her, take her as his wife, perform the duty of a husband's brother to her, and the first son whom she bears shall succeed to the name of his dead brother, that his name may not be blotted out of Israel." And if any man does not wish to take his brother's wife, then his brother's wife shall go up to the gate to the elders and say, My brother refuses, my husband's brother refuses to perpetuate his brother's name in Israel. He will not perform the duty of a husband's brother to me. Now listen. Then the elders of his city shall call him and speak to him. If he persists, saying, I do not wish to take her, then his brother's wife shall go up to him in the presence of the elders and pull his sandal off his foot and spit in his face. <laughs> and she shall answer and say, So shall it be to the man who does not build up his brother's house. And the name of his house shall be called in Israel the house of him who had his sandal pulled off. So you may say, well, what does that have to do with it? Uh, I just think it's interesting the... You know, the comparison here between not being worthy to pull off the sandal or to untie the sandal, and then this particular verse about a, a brother taking care of his dead brother's widow by marrying her and then not wanting to do it, well, then his sandal is pulled off. And he's known by that from that point forward. So Jesus' sandal could not be pulled off. Why? Because he's the kinsman redeemer and he's going to make sure that he does what he is supposed to do. Okay, I'm not going any further than that because I think you see the comparison here and I could wind up teaching on another uh, overlapping topic here and I want to stick right with the baptism and why John the Baptist said this. Ruth 4.8 might give us another hint as to why this was said. Ruth 4.8, um, this is similar to the scripture I just read. Now this was the custom in the former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging to confirm a transaction. The one drew off his sandal and gave it to the other, and this was the manner of attesting to Israel. So when the Redeemer said to Boaz, buy it for yourself, he drew off his sandal. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, you are witnesses this day that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Chilean and Milan. And so, and then he married, and then of course he married Ruth, the Moabite. So, Basically, we were talking here about a contract or a transaction. And Jesus was worthy to make the transaction. John the Baptist was not worthy 
to make the transaction. And as we go a little bit further, ultimately, Jesus is coming to get a bride. So all this is relevant, and we could stop and parse it for another half hour to an hour, but I think you get the relationship here between these different scriptures pertaining to the untying of sandals and what John the Baptist was saying. He's more or less saying, you know, I'm not worthy to make this transaction. I'm announcing it, but I'm not worthy to make it. Jesus is. And that's why he wanted Jesus to baptize him. But Jesus, I already told you why. Jesus said, it's okay, John, you can baptize me. And I told you the reasons why already. So this was a transition. Baptism is a lot of things, but it is a transition from one place to the next. When a person gets baptized, they don't just get wet if faith and repentance is involved for us. Of course, Jesus didn't have to repent, but it still was a transition. So baptism is a transition. And it was uh, for Jesus because he's entering the priesthood, he's entering his ministry here on earth, and then ultimately in heaven throughout the church age. Okay, number six uh, on our little outline, obedience. This is what John was doing. He was obeying. And uh, obedience is better than sacrifice, Old Testament says. John was being obedient to Jesus who he thought should baptize him. But Jesus said, no, I want you to baptize me, and I've already told you why. And so he was obeying, Jesus said, to fulfill all righteousness. Now here's the final reason as I conclude today with this little study on baptism to introduce you to the importance of it. Jesus set the precedent, but notice he is also identifying with us. And the reason why Jesus, God, the God-man, identifies with us as humans, he came in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, remember? The reason he identified with us is so we can identify with him. If we meet Jesus and walk with him, then we can identify with him, but we need to be baptized in water in his name. And then, it finally, so that when he dies on the cross, we died with him legally. When he rose from the dead, we rise with him. Let me read to you one final scripture, and we'll close out this Bible study that introduces you to water baptism. Romans 6, 4. Romans 6, 4. We are buried, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. As we get ready to come to the end of this year and start 2021, I want to encourage you to consider being water baptized. If you haven't, already. And if you have already, as we continue this study, you may want to consider getting rebaptized. That might go against the grain of what you have typically thought, and maybe you don't need to. 
But I just want you to consider if that is a possibility as the Holy Spirit speaks to you as we continue this study. And at the very least, pray for those that need to be water baptized, that they will ASAP, because I think that would be a just extraordinary, fantastic, awesome way for you or whoever needs to be baptized to start this next year in Jesus' name. Have a great day.